Welcome to the Mystery of Home Education with Linda LaCour Hobar, author of The Mystery of History, a world history curriculum for all ages. This pre-recorded podcast is designed for new and returning homeschool parents seeking direction, encouragement, and inspiration from a biblical worldview. And now your hostess, Linda LaCour Hobar. Welcome back, friends, to The Mystery of Home Education. First things first, I'm very happy to report that according to the first seven-day stats of podcast views, our new little broadcast, it's ranking in the top 15 to 20% worldwide. Now, let me quickly say I do not think that that's a reflection on me. No, if you only knew behind the scenes just how much editing my hubby has to do to clean up my smacking and sputtering, I am not that smooth. And thank you, hon, for doing that. But I do think these high numbers are telling a story, and that story is about you. I sincerely believe you are hungrier than ever for biblical truth because you're just trying to teach children in a world that's swaying with the wind, right? What's up is down, what's in is out, what's wrong is right, and what's good is bad, or so the world says. You know, I think the return of parents to the home classroom, a movement that has quadrupled in recent years, I think it represents something, hmm, much more grandiose than what meets the eye. Our tumultuous world, it's aching, isn't it? For something of value to hold on to, for something of substance. I think that that something is really someone. I just sense that we are craving with all our being a touch from the Creator in this messed up world we're in, where some of us really are just trying to strengthen our families. We're trying to teach our children at home outside of the ordinary parameters. You know, those ordinary parameters, they just aren't working like they used to. Listen, friends, hang on to the calling to be the primary teacher of your children. I admit, not everyone is soaring in this experience. I wouldn't expect them to because we're all flawed. But you know what? You're here now, which if nothing else, it means that you are striving today to homeschool better than you did the day before. So good job and stay with it, parents. Okay, well, that's the end of that sermon. I mean, clearly I'm passionate on this topic, but let me get to today's message, which is technically part three and the final installment of my Proverbs analogy. You see, if you've been following me since I started, then you know I have used the word picture of a house to try to describe home education. It's a simple analogy, since education, like a house, it needs a firm foundation. It needs a working frame, and it needs rooms to fill. Now, I am drawing that illustration from Proverbs 24, 3-4 which says, and I quote, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Oh, I love that verse. So in episode three, that's when I covered the foundation that's focusing on a biblical worldview of education. And if that's a new concept to you, well, please go back and listen to that one, because it's literally foundational. And it was episode five where we talked about building the frame, as in how to get some practical things done that help you run your home, like dishes, laundry, and errands. 
And if you're struggling on that front, well, first of all, you're not alone, but please go back for a few helpful hints. But it is time now in Episode 7 for me to wrap up this three-part word picture with the verse, By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches? Well, from the standpoint of home education, that knowledge is the culmination of your academic subjects. So let's talk about them. Now, there are numerous directions that I could take with this, but I want to offer you what I think are some original thoughts that came out of my own experience to help me manage my subjects. Now, if others have already touched on this, I don't know. They probably have. But my thinking and experience goes like this. When we consider the common subjects that most of us will teach our children, like language arts, math, music, science, or history, I've observed that they fall into two major categories. One category I've nicknamed the stair-step subjects. The other category I've nicknamed the living subjects. And here's how they're different. Stair-step subjects are those that generally require mastery, at least on one level, before a student can advance to the next level. Oh, math is a great example. For a student to learn subtraction, they first need to understand addition. Or for a student to master division, well, of course, they first need to understand multiplication, and so on. All to say, mastery and understanding is a must for advancement in math. In fact, if one step is missed or glossed over in a stair-step subject, And if the student keeps moving forward anyway, well, he or she usually suffers the consequences later. Like if you're in the middle of an algebra problem with variables and you still use your fingers to count out 8 plus 3, well, that's going to slow you down. And I would know because unfortunately I still do this. 8, 9, 10, 11. Okay, moving on. So are there other stair-step subjects? Well, yes, I would say language arts and foreign languages may qualify because you can't write a paragraph if you can't write a sentence, and you can't write a sentence if you don't understand nouns and verbs. Now, to be fair on language arts, let me remind you, it's a sneaky subject, isn't it? Because it's really the conglomeration of several subjects. Some would define language arts to include handwriting, grammar, reading comprehension, composition, and spelling. Uh, that's five subjects. Now, some would also add public speaking to that list because it too involves the mastery of language. Now, I am not sure that all of those subcategories are stair-step in nature in and of themselves, but certainly when you put them all together in one package, language arts, it's a subject requiring some mastery to move forward. Moving on, let's go to the other major category of common subjects, These are what I like to call living subjects, and of course, they're my favorites. Now, I borrowed the term from the concept of living books, which is not an original thought of mine, but let me define living books, at least in my own words, just in case that idea is new to you. Living books are those books, new or old, that are alive with meaning because, one, they're commonly written by a single author rather than a committee. Or two, they draw on stories. Three, they often have a moral tone or message to them. And four, hmm, they're usually memorable because of the characters involved, be that they're real or imagined. Now, others may define living books a little differently, but I would say that children's adventure novels or read-alouds, those are good examples of 
living books, whereas an encyclopedia article or a general textbook might represent the very opposite. Now, with that idea, let's talk about living subjects. To me, that is a category of subjects that, just like living books, they are alive with meaning because, one, they're commonly compiled by single authors rather than committees. Two, they are often story-oriented. Three, they commonly offer a moral lesson. And four, they're usually memorable because of the content or the characters involved. A few examples of living subjects. Well, how about earth science, the mystery of history, Bible, and electives like cooking, zoology, astronomy, or woodshop. They're all living subjects, or at least that's one way to look at them. Now, to clarify, if stair-step subjects, like math, require mastery for a student to advance, well, then living subjects typically do not. Using history as an example, because of course I would, a student is not required to master the study of ancient times to delve into medieval. Now, it might be helpful, but it's not required. Case in point, I actually know a young man who, at about age 16, he decided he was going to specialize in the study of Vikings. Now, he's in his 20s, and he is indeed an expert on the subject. He's got a high-volume podcast, and he has invitations to speak and write from around the world on Vikings. You could say he made himself an expert, but it's because he chose to go deep on the living subject of history. Good for him. Now, to further help you visualize the concept of living subjects, I do have two more nicknames to share with you. So when talking to kids, I like to call them spiderweb subjects because it's a fun visual and it portrays that these subjects have the ability to offer spinoffs in endless directions. Take cooking, for example. Like the spread of a spider web, the culinary arts, they could take you all over the world by culture, or you could look at it from the standpoint of just nutrition, or you could go to style, or you could go to flavor. You know, there's endless varieties of ways to study food. Now, on the other hand, when I'm talking to homeschool moms and dads, I like to call these living subjects the sofa subjects. That's my favorite nickname because it conjures up the fact that these are the subjects you can usually teach to the entire family at the same time, sitting on the sofa with an open book in hand. Think for an example about the story of the Trojan War. You know, a four-year-old can fall in love with that story because of the Trojan horse. I mean, what's not to like about the story? You've got Greeks filling up a wooden horse in the middle of the night. It is a great story, but you could enjoy it at age four, age 34, age 104. Anyone can enjoy it without much previous experience. Okay, moving on. So with an understanding of these two main categories, no matter what you call them, Let's consider the benefits of distinguishing between stair-step and living. Now, I have seven of these benefits, but they're pretty quick and practical. Number one, the benefit of knowing that a subject is in the stair-step category may simply help you pace yourself. For example, if a student is stuck on some subtraction problems, we'll slow down. But in contrast, if a student is soaring through subtraction, well, perhaps you just need to speed up to the next concept and not waste that student's time on something that they've mastered. Number two, 
A benefit to recognizing living subjects is to realize that they are easier, at least on the teaching parent, if you can merge students of all ages together. See, if you didn't know, this is an important survival skill for homeschooling families. So what I mean is this, in the same school year, well, you wouldn't want to teach a second grader state history, and then a fourth grader the American Civil War, and then a ninth grader the Renaissance. You wouldn't want to do that just because some chart somewhere suggests those were the best ages for those topics. That would be very hard on you. No, as a homeschool parent, you have the luxury to toss the scope and sequence of some programs so you can streamline your efforts and put all the kids together for, say, state history one year, or to complete a unit study on the Civil War another year, or to read the Mystery of History Volume 3 yet another year to study the Renaissance as a whole family. Yeah, I'm guilty that was total product placement, but I had to. Seriously, bundling world history together as a family is especially helpful. Like if you want to do some of those big messy projects, like host a medieval feast, mm, have that feast just once for all the kids, rather than every time one of them hits the sixth grade. Bundling works for living subjects. Number three, a benefit to the categories is that you will more clearly see where you want to farm out the kids to maybe tutors or co-ops, or perhaps set up the scenario where older kids are teaching younger kids, which, by the way, is another survival skill for homeschoolers. But let's say you're the master of a stair-step subject, like grammar. Well, you may not want to ever farm out that subject. Keep it in-house because you're good at it. But let someone else do all those crafts or maybe paper mache that goes with a living subject, or vice versa. You know, since I was the living subject lady in our house with world history, I did farm out some of those stair-step subjects to keep my sanity. I believe I farmed out some upper-level mathematics, and then I think AP chemistry was one. Believe me, never once did I doubt that was a good choice for me and my students. Okay, number four. Knowledge of the categories may give you insight into your students' learning styles. Think about this. Do your kids light up for those stair-step subjects? Well, then they may be concrete sequential learners. They want just the facts. On the other hand, do your kids light up for the living subjects? Well, if they do, they may be abstract, random, free spirits. And then what about you? What are you most excited about? Keep this in mind, too. It's okay if you and your students have very different levels of enthusiasm. Just roll with that. And of course, don't ever judge anyone's interest as a badge of honor. By the way, I want to say, if you are the living subject's guru, well, that means you're probably way behind on lesson plans if you have them at all. But don't worry. I have another podcast up my sleeve to address the needs of the free-spirited teaching parent, because I was one. Okay, number five. Another benefit to categorizing your subjects is that it may lead you down a path of different curriculum. If you've got stair-step lovers, well, give them the tracks that they need to check off their accomplishments. These are the kids that need lists and want lists. They really like those boxes to check, and certainly some programs offer that. But now, if you've got free spirits, well, cut them some slack on the painful subjects that they just aren't going to like and then unleash them for the living subjects. 
And within those living subjects, please don't pin down that curious 11-year-old. Don't pin them down with a broad stroke stories if they want to go so deep on one thing instead of wide. For example, let's say you're in the Mystery of History Volume 4, and you have this one student that grows fixated on World War I. Well, I would let them remain fixated and let them dig deep on that subject. But then I might also keep the family moving along by maybe listening to an audiobook. So at least you feel like you're moving forward and finishing a course, but not at the expense of putting brakes on that one child that's obsessed. You know the ones, they're out there. Number six, seeing these two major categories may help you stop the unfair comparison of your student to other students or to their siblings. You know, you have to ask yourself, at least in those stair-step subjects, who and what is the standard set on? Are you looking to the scope and sequence of a big box curriculum? Are you turning to the local public or private school to see what they teach in fifth grade? I mean, that's not all bad, but you're an independent school and offering your child private tutoring. So be free. You know, isn't it funny that when it comes to cutting and losing teeth or riding a bike or hitting puberty, we certainly don't expect children to do these things at the same age. So why is it that we so often expect them to learn something like long division all at the same time? No, it is far healthier to measure your students only against their own progress with some general guidelines and goals. If they're improving and advancing, we'll praise them and reward them. And then if they're not, be patient while you keep an eye on issues that might be slowing them down. Maybe there are some learning obstacles or some sight, sensory, or hearing problems that will need some professional help. You'll know. And last, our seventh benefit, seeing your subjects as stair-step or living, it may help you adjust some unrealistic expectations you've been holding on to. Now, I'll use myself as an example. In my younger years, no one would have predicted that I would ever care about the living subject of world history. Trust me, I was too self-absorbed and way too immature to show much promise. That was through grammar school, junior high, and most of high school. Now, my deep interest in history, it was the work of the Lord that didn't start until college. So if you have unenthused students in one category of subjects, don't be too hard on them. Interests can grow with time. I was actually 40 before I understood my love for a living subject. Okay, friends, well, it's time to wrap this up. So here's your hands-on assignment. I would love for you to look at the materials you have at home, the ones you're currently teaching from, and then separate them into two piles. One pile, stair-step. The other pile, living. Maybe there's a few that you're just not quite sure. And if the piles are too big, just write each subject on a post-it and then shuffle the post-its around. So now that you can see these piles or stacks of post-its, then number one, I want you to pray over them. Thanking God that by knowledge, you can fill the rooms of your homeschool with pleasant and precious riches. Oh, be grateful. And then number two, I would encourage you to ponder how you can better handle or organize these subjects with at least an open mind to make some tweaks. 
For example, some of you need to make lists or some lesson plans to help that structured child succeed in his or her stair-step subjects. You've kind of been neglecting that. Some of you need to delegate older siblings to teach some younger ones, or maybe you need to farm out the subjects that you struggle with. Some of you need to insert summer school for the living subject electives that you've just not had time for. Summers are a great time for electives. And some of you just need to flip-flop the time of day you teach these subjects. My best example is this. I did better getting the stair-step subjects out of the way in the morning and then using the afternoons for the living subjects. They were kind of a reward for us. So do what works best for you with a clearer understanding of what the subjects need. Well, it's time to go. I hope this podcast has been helpful, or at least given you a new perspective on filling the rooms of your homeschool with pleasant and precious riches. And until we meet again, I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you. For the sake of the mystery, I'm Linda LaCour Hobar. Thank you for listening to The Mystery of Home Education with Linda LaCour Hobar. For more information on Linda's award-winning history program, visit themysteryofhistory.com, a one-stop shop for chronological, Christian, complete world history for all ages.